I thank you for inviting me. Uh, like you mentioned, I, I had a stint. I, I, I hadn't had any heart problems at all, and then all of a sudden, uh, within the last month, I had some chest pain, and uh, so I've been kind of sitting at home a lot, and I kind of thank you for getting me out of the house a little bit. Uh, in fact, uh, I woke up this morning and found out that our church wasn't meeting. We Somehow we're, uh, the governor wants pe- groups of 250 or more to not meet, and so uh, I guess we uh, came to that, and uh, so uh, we didn't have church this morning, and we didn't have Sunday school class, and all those sort of things, and so I, I'm pleased to be able to meet with you uh, and uh, share the word. Um, got a couple of uh, things that are well, the the uh, stint certainly in the last week, but I wanted to share one other thing I've done. This. Uh, uh hope it doesn't sound like bragging or anything, but uh, in the last couple of years, I, I wrote a memoir. This is, this is my memoir, and uh, it's called A Country Boy Reminisces. And I grew up on the farm and all that, and, and uh, shares about uh, my family back a few generations even, uh, losing a farm in the Depression and all of that, and then about my life, and then uh, sharing my faith a little bit. Uh, I just I just show you that because uh, I have to say it was one of the most rewarding things I think I've ever done, and so uh, I, I always I guess I'd like to encourage people if you're ever thinking that you would like to try something like that, I, I I'm I'm looking now for what I can write my second book about. Uh, I don't have that many original thoughts, but uh, I just have to say that that was an, an enjoyable time, and I just wanted to share that with you. Um, my message today is going to be taking from Luke 15, 11 through 32, um, and uh, you probably know that as the prodigal son, uh, and that's the story we're going to be talking about. Uh, would you join me in prayer? Father, I pray you'd be with this message. Pray with you'd be with Jesus' words that they might uh, lift each person's heart. Lord, I pray you'd be with this country and... Uh, with this, the world of this uh, uh, coronavirus, whatever it is, I I don't begin to know anything about it, and yet, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd watch over the people here and the people around us. Lord, I pray you'd be with our president and the leaders, watch over them, help them to make good decisions. Lord, uh, be with our church and our families, be with our families Lord, we have people that need your attention. We need people to come into their lives, watch over them. Lord, be with, help there to be a revival in this country, to get over this, all the hard feelings and the splits that we have. Help us to come to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. For this particular sermon, I have to give some credit to John MacArthur. He, he had the main ideas, and I kind of filled it in a little bit. Uh, it was a sermon I enjoyed, and so I thought, well, I'm going I'm to try to do that myself. And so that's where it came from. This is a shocking story that Jesus is telling the Pharisees and the scribes. He's, 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 uh, they are asking questions, and he tells them this particular parable. And it's kind of an assault on everything they believe in. And so it's kind of an interesting story. 
Israel in this time uh, was kind of a shame-honor type of society. In my Bible, this whole section is in red. That means Jesus is, is talking. He's the one telling the story. So uh, to me, that makes it even better. You know, when Jesus is telling people uh, what life is like, uh, you know, we need to pay attention. Uh, in, in that culture, then, you, uh, you try to avoid shame and you pursue honor. Jesus' story here confronts the shame altar, uh, honor culture with a series of shameful and outrageous actions. The younger brother acted shameful and outrageous. The older brother acted shameful and outrageous. But the father acted the most shameful and outrageous of them all. The Pharisees really struggled to believe anything like this could ever happen. I want to read then, starting with the first part of it in, in uh, Luke 15, 11 and 12. 11 and 12. And Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided this wealth between them. Uh, you can imagine that request is way out of line. It's, it's shameful. Upon the father's death, usually the older son got two-thirds and the younger son got one-third. In kind of a sense, the son is uh, wishing that his father would pass away and he could get his inheritance. The son doesn't want the estate to manage. He wants the cash now. This is outrageous. The son's... Sons were to honor their fathers. Fathers were to maintain their honor. This father might well have risen up and slapped the boy silly. He probably should have said, you insolent and ungracious son. He could have had him beaten publicly. But then the shameful response is the father divided the wealth. Come on, imagine that. No self-respecting father would do that. Would your father have listened to such a request? I know if I'd have brought that up to my father, I'd better be stepping back. It was he, he wouldn't have listened to that for a minute. The father's story is bringing dishonor on himself. But next we have the shameful rebellion. Let's go to fifteen thirteen through 16. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into the distant country and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country, and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens that in the country, and he sent, sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. The son leaves and goes to the Gentile nation. The Pharisees are thinking of no, no respecting Jew, uh, Jewish son would do this, go to the Gentile nation and feeding pigs. That's, a, that's certainly out of bounds for Jews. This is ridiculous. He's squandering everything 
and a famine came. He was so down and out that he attached himself to one of the citizens of the country. The son now became as a pig. This is the worst sinner Jesus has ever painted. He represents the ultimate sinner. Going on to 17 through 19. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and I go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Many of the father's servants had more than enough. Hired workers were day laborers. If they did not work, they did not get paid. The prodigal son said, It will be embarrassing, but I will go back. He would have to pay back all of his inheritance, but not as a son. He would pay it back as a hired servant on servant's pay. The boy goes back stinking like pigs. Scorn will be heaped on his head to protect the honor of the father. In similar cases, the father uh, would not even have come to see him. His son would be beaten, probably, and the conditions of restitution would be given to him. It was not going to be a pretty picture. Now this shameful reconciliation. Let's go to uh, verses 20 and 21. And he got up and he came to the father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he felt compassion for him, and he ran and embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and again and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father saw him coming. He was watching for him. He had been looking for him all the time. He felt compassion for his son. He ran to him. And that's interesting in the aspect that no self-respecting uh, Mideast man sprints or runs, especially to see a shameful son. That's just not done. To expose his legs was, while running was to bring a dishonor on himself. But he did it. The father took the shame upon himself. He embraced his son. Not, no beating, no seven days of sitting in the city facing the scorn of the city. No, I told you so's. He embraced his son. Here we have an instant reconciliation. The father keeps kissing the son who smells like pigs. He has a smell of sin all over him. But it's instant reconciliation. There is one word for what the father is doing. It's called grace. Grace for the son. The Pharisees, the listeners, had no understanding of grace. Grace does not exist in legalistic religions. In the Pharisee's mind, this is the way, this is way out of line. But the son understood. He was accepted back as a son. He did not have to do anything to earn his gift. And this is the joy of God embracing the sinner, saving the sinner from what he deserves, kissing his stinking head, taking the sinner's shame on himself. The sinner receives restoration, restitution, and forgiveness. All, all pure signs of the gift of grace. And God was seeking the sinner before the sinner even looked for him. 
God finds pure joy in the return of a lost sinner. This is a shocking view of God. He seems a little too unrestrained. He, he rejoices like it's a celebration. You and I have been the prodigal son, and I, I think that's a fact that we need to understand. We, we, you and I were the prodigal sons. Our Heavenly Father rejoiced when we returned. Let's go on to 22 through 24. But the father said to the slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us, let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead, and he has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to make merry. Again, the father doesn't ask the son to go clean up. He provided everything that was needed. A robe, a ring for a finger, sandals for his feet, and a fatted calf for the celebration. He gives the son his full dignity. He gives the son his name. And now the party starts. The son was dead and is now alive. However, the focus of the party and this parable is the gracious father and not the wayward son. It's the father that's outlandish. He's, he's doing crazy things. Your father and my father wouldn't have acted like that. This is the heavenly father welcoming the son back. I want to go now to the final part of this in verse 25. This is about the older son. This is the second part of the story. This is where the Pharisees come into the story. You know, that's the ones Jesus was talking to. And he, he talks to them. Now the older son was in the field, and when he came, he approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things might be. And he said to him, your brother has come back, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in, and his father came out and began entreating him. But he answered and said to him, Father, look, I have, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command, a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a, even a kid that I may be married with my friends. But when the son of yours came, uh, who has devoured your wealth and with harlots, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, My child... This is the father talking. You have always been with me, and all that I have is yours. But we, but we had to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. That concludes that parable, Jesus talking to the Pharisees. The older brother is angry. By the way, this is where the Pharisees come into the picture. They have no room for grace. Grace doesn't mean much to them. The father begs the older son to come into the party, but he will not. The older brother, the, Pharise the Pharisees, um, the older brother, the Pharisees, is just as lost as the prodigal. So my, my thought here is that the, the father really has two lost sons. He has the 
younger son who went to the far country, and he has the older son who stayed right there all the time, but he's just as lost as the other. He's lost at home. The older brother represents the whole world of religion without grace. He has been serving the father all these years. You and I have been serving all these years. The father should slap this son also. But instead he offers the older son grace, just as he offered the younger. The father begs him to come to the party also. The Pharisees are not coming to God by a different path. They are not coming at all. They will not accept the father's grace. There are two types of religions in the world. The religion of the father's accomplishment through grace. Or is there the religion of human accomplishment through works, where we work for our own salvation? Jesus presents the two extremes of sinners. One outside of religion, the prodigal son, and one inside of religion, the older son. You know, it would have been great if the older son was so grieved by his bad treatment of his father, so grieved that he asked for the same grace his younger brother had received. And together they went in and joined in the celebration. The father took all the shame that they and that we might have the father's grace. The father took all that shame for us. Did the uh, prodigal son accept the father's grace? He did. He went in and was part of the party. Did the older son accept the father's grace? We're not told. That parable ends and it doesn't tell what the older son did. He's just standing there. The parable ends with no response. So I'd like to conclude looking at what made the father joyful and wanting to celebrate. The return of the lost sons and daughters, you and I, the people who were lost, like the prodigal son, and return. That makes him happy and wanting to celebrate. If you want to be a joyful Christian, you need to get involved in what makes the father joyful. Bringing back lost sons and daughters. That's that's what will excite him. God is overjoyed and celebrates every time a lost son or daughter returns to him. Will you celebrate with him? Will you join in the celebration? The choice is yours.